The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press, hour number two, 501 year kickoff time, September 14th. It's a Monday. We're already halfway through September. Eric Franson, LJ Salveson, 106 and FM, 1390 AM, the fan. Hey, but okay, and 106.9thefan.com. Eric, I, I do sort of feel bad about Friday night. You, you know, should. I, I, I was just trying to help out. This kid was energetic, and I uh, I was just trying to help out a good situation become better, and I felt like I did. You were you were leading him on. I was not leading him you on. You were mocking him, and I didn't realize you were mi- mocking him. I gave him a donut. And then you dropped off, uh, you just tossed him off, <laughs> off cocktail, watched it burn, and you just walked away. <laughs> oh well, I'm there to try to put it out, <laughs> oh clean up the mess. <laughs> Look on your face. That's what you get for sending me to a restaurant that was closed for two months. <laughs> I was excited. I was hungry that night. I don't know if I ever told your listeners a story. There I am. Yes, you it, shared it was a lonely story. night, and it was uh, the wind was blowing north northeast, about five miles per hour on an evening. And I said, "Eric, I'm starving. What, what, where should I go for dinner?" And he said, "You know, I got a great gift card for you." I said, "Really? Yeah." So I thought you were being super nice, and I was excited to go to Javier's. I don't know if I'm to say that aloud on the air. Yeah, was, they're still closed. Uh, I was excited. To- <laughs> I, I was excited to go get me some Mexican food, and I go there, and uh, the doors are shut, the stickers are gone, the signage is gone, and that place is closed. Lights were off, and I just standing at the door. <laughs> Hello? I was so angry. I Can drove, I get some chips? I drove all the way to North Logan to go to a restaurant to have some food, and it's not even, it's not even open. It's shut down. It's closed down. I was upset. So you know what? <laughs> so you've been trying to get back at me all this time. You deserve Friday night. You deserve it. You handled it well. Yeah, but at least that well, was a prank that what? I played on you. Okay. No one else was harmed in the in the process. No one else was harmed in this process with um, you Friday night. You know what? I he I has continued to. F- the confidence grew. Yeah, he was feeling pretty good. Your I, leadership skills. I didn't let his confidence down. Your leadership skills were building. Eric, I'm I'm proud of you to help encourage those who want to be great in this business. You gave me the opportunity. You may not have encouraged me, but you definitely gave me the opportunity. Yeah, just like that kid. You guys are a lot alike. No, don't. I your situation. No, are very I will shut your mic off. I will shut your mic off. Don't you dare. Uh, hey, nine three one five texted in. Uh, yeah. This is kind of the tail or connecting with the tail end of our conversation from last hour about uh, basketball. It, could it continue? Could it happen? This uh, starting in the late uh, fall and to continue on as a somewhat normal schedule, but there's still some uncertainty about what the schedule really looks like. A uh, decision is supposed to be made on Wednesday with the Division I, NCAA Division I Council regarding men's and women's basketball, a lot of other winter and spring sports, football in the winter or spring as well. So 9315 texts in, as long as we can have the Mountain West basketball in some sort, 
of a March Madness tournament would be helpful. So USU would have something to play for. I okay, and I'm gonna be speak on the side of confidence with yet caution. But we're gonna have a basketball season. I think we have a basketball season because they can't afford to lose the money for two years in a row of of not having a March Madness tournament. Am I? Am I on the right track here? Like a financial, uh, just it'd be a financial humongous hit if they didn't have the March Madness tournament for the second year in a row. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's already really bad, but it'd be catastrophic if they missed two tournaments. Uh, I think that's probably more likely. The real question, I think that conference play will happen. Uh, feeling pretty confident about that. But what we don't know is what does a non-conference schedule look like? Do they get a non-conference? Do they play uh, a, you know, tournaments away from home venues that were normally announced or previously announced? Do those still happen? Do they get changed? The uh, Battle for Atlantis is going to happen, but its venue is different. It's vastly different. So do other similar pre-season tournaments, do they change? Do they still happen? but in different venues? Or do some of them get scrapped and you have to come up with new ideas that are more regional, closer to home? So those are still some big questions left lingering for the upcoming college basketball season. Yeah, And, and again, we'll know I'm, more on Wednesday. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that Wednesday we should find out what the schedule uh, will consist of or when the season can start. And then from there, I believe the Mount West Met, or the Mount West Conference will meet to discuss what their conference schedule would be or what they hope to have it look like, which would start. I mean, so would you have any conference games in December like you did last year, Eric? Would you push that all to the 1st of 2021 and have that stretched out over then? Or would you start? Because last year they played Fresno State and Jan and San Jose State on December, like that first December weekend. Yeah, it was weird. They had a few conference games, and then they went back to some non-conference games, and they got back into the conference slate after that. That was a little weird. Um that's because the, the the conference schedule ended early, so they could do the conference tournament earlier than normal, too. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think that this year, all cards are on the table. You have to consider everything. To, to have a season, to try to find ways for your, your teams, your, your especially your, your top-level teams, to have a quality competition outside of the conference, to get noticed, to get some RPI opportunities. And I hope that there is still an NCAA tournament. I think there there will be one. I think that they've learned a lot uh, since then. I think there could be a way to do it. Uh, maybe it is. It looks like some kind of a bubble similar to what we've seen in the NBA. That's And that's what I would hope. Just Even some sort of a non-conference schedule would be really, really nice to kind of get your legs into the water, to get a feel for the game. <laughs> I, they haven't had a chance. I don't know what the practices have been like, but I, I dare say they really haven't had a chance to to go through anything live? I don't know. Maybe they have, but I just know everything's really limited based on the COVID situation. All right, so let's do this, Eric. Let's talk high school football. And then coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to call out a chance to win a prize uh, from Old Gristmill, a four loaves of bread. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Wait for us to call it out. And then when we do, call in. And uh, see if you can win four loaves of Old Gristmill yumminish bread. Uh, Eric Regional 11 scores last week. It goes like this. Logan defeats Mountain Crest 35-6. Ridgeline in a barn burner beats Bear River 34-27. And Skyview 
trounces Green Canyon 42-14. Let me ask you this. So for the Skyview Green Canyon game, more Skyview or more Green Canyon for the way this outcome was? Um, I would probably say probably more Skyview. Because uh, Green Canyon, this is kind of connected to our bread and butter play of the game, if you're paying attention. Green Canyon was in a position to make this close, make this a real ball game. But uh, Skyview made some really critical plays to seal the deal and create some, some separation. Uh, and that's what Skyview has done most of this year. They've made the right plays at the right time to keep their opponents at bay. Yeah, they let Stansbury come back on them a little bit. But uh, by and large, the Skyview team is playing really, really good football on offense and on defense. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Green Canyon definitely is underperforming. Yeah, I get it. There have been some injuries there, and that's a problem. That That's hard for just about anybody. Um, but we were told that this was going to be a special season for Green Canyon, and so far it hasn't been that. Yeah, on a three-game losing streak now, including an ugly loss to Morgan. This team is on a slide that they need to get off of, uh, and they get this Friday, I believe, Eric. They will uh, have a chance to get rid of that losing streak as they will face Mountain Crest. Yep. Uh, Mountain Crest got uh, just demolished by Logan. This game wasn't really that close. 35-6, to it could have been a lot worse. But, Eric, Logan has just been, and I've talked about it before, but Logan's a much better team than you look at on paper. You might say the win-loss record and say, uh, they're not that good, but then you're not really watching this football team. Well, Logan now has two really good wins uh, against Mountain Crest, and then they also beat Provo earlier in the year. Um, now Provo, uh, where are they in the latest RPI? I was going to look at them yeah. earlier. Uh, Provo right now currently sits, Eric, and I had it. Provo is 14th Four, yep. in 5A, and so that was a good win, really good win for Logan earlier in the year. And they had another game that was really close and down to the wire uh, for Logan. Who was that against uh, Cyprus, I believe. So Logan's had some really close games, and they've, I think they've kind of starting to figure themselves out a little bit. Mountain Crest looked like they were struggling early. They had this really big game in Idaho. Looked like that was going to be the spark for them. And then that just has, they've not been able to hold on to that. So, uh, this is perhaps an opportunity for Mountain Crest facing a, a Green Canyon team that's reeling to uh, to find some footing and, and to make some improvements because they were able to, based on the strength of their, their defense a year ago, make a nice little run there in region play. So this is going to be a really interesting weekend uh, for high school football with the big matchup on Thursday between Ridgeline and Skyview, which we'll have here on the fan. Uh, but then you've also got some other big games that uh, are going to, I think determine a lot of things in the standings um, you know, down the line. 34-27 Ridgeline, speaking of which, they play on Thursday night versus Skyview in an undefeated one-versus-two matchup in the RPI rankings. 34-27 winners over Bear River in a controversial ending, Eric, where uh, Bear River was ruled short of the end zone marker on a Hail Mary for the final play of the game. That would have put him down one with a PAT or two-point conversion to win it. Uh Bear River, you know, without Easton Lish, has made great improvements from last year. And I think uh, this defense has been challenged, and I think they've rose up to the challenge for the most part. And I mean, that, that's where my credit stands, too, as of right now. 
Yeah, this this Bear River team, um, you know, they th- that's a team that never says die. Uh, that's what we're seeing. This is a, 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 that illustrates it's a team with a lot of heart, uh, a team that's um, that that keeps fighting all the way to the end. Uh, because of that, they were able to come back and uh, beat Box Elder in their big rivalry game. They were almost able to do that, pull that off against Ridgeline this last week. So. Uh, will they use that last-second comeback that that wasn't against Ridgeline? Will they use that as fuel to to move them forward and play really good football the rest of the way against some of their opponents? Or will it be a distraction to them? Will they whine and complain about the, the controversy surrounding that call and whether it was the right call or not or how long it took to make the call? Or will they just use that as motivation? Uh, by the way, I'm watching the final play. Uh, as we speak, <laughs> he looks like he's in. Like he looks like if he hits the pylon, he's in, right? I mean, well, if the ball hits the pylon, well, if he, well, if the player well, hits the pylon, he's in. Well, if he's falling to the side and his his foot kicks out and kicks it, but the ball's not across the plane, he's not. It's not a touchdown. There's a lot of people that were there on the play and, and that went out of bounds at that point. So, what if it's the defender that knocks over the pylon? Oh, that's true. So yeah, the ball's got to because it's not a very clear video from what was shared with me, at least from the angle that I saw, which yeah. wasn't from the video spectacular. I'm yeah, and I mean that yeah, that wasn't the great. I mean, you can't see anything on that side. I'm, the video I'm watching right now, I mean, it is the angle towards the end zone where you see the play happen. But I mean, again, you don't even have a clear look from there, and like where the ref is standing, it is a horrible view. Like he has no clue. Absolutely no idea where he's standing. He's standing behind the play. So he has no idea where what happened. Uh, and he looks to an official who has to run straight across from the other side of the field to come get an answer. But the way like the way the catch looks and how he lands, <laughs> I I think he was in. And I honestly might be just crazy. But it actually looks like he was in. Anyways, but that doesn't matter. You can't what could have, should have, would have. Final yep. score, 34-27. Ridgeline beats Bear River. Yeah, they needed 30 yards, and they got 29. 29 and a half. And a half. <laughs> Maybe 29 and three quarters. That's that's, inc- that's incredible. They were able to even get that, though. I mean, the way the kid catches the ball, he's being guarded by four different Riverhawks, and he's still able to go up and grab it. Hey, uh, really quick, I want to preview, and we're going to get to our bread and butter play here in just one second. Ridgeline and Skyview, what a dandy of a matchup that's going to be. My goodness, you got an offense that is cooking in Millville, and you got a defense that is salivating, that has been salivating for this matchup ever since the schedule came out. Eric, what, and being at Ridgeline, does that do anything different for two rival schools in the same valley being at another opponent's house? I don't think so. I mean, yes, there will be some crowd. It won't be as full and as raucous. Uh, but there will be some crowd there. So there's that going for, for Ridgeline. Um, but uh, this, you know, Ridgeline, good offense, but they uh, their, their defense had improved, but they let Bear River come back on them. Uh, and uh, they were down early, actually, Ridgeline was, and they were able to come back from being down, but then they almost gave it back away. So I think that speaks more to Bear River than it does any problems with Ridgeline. But uh, you know, injuries again can be a, a factor in this. You know, who's who's healthiest at key positions, 
uh, coming in this matchup between Skyview and Bear River. But Skyview has been pretty consistent with having a really good explosive offense and a very consistent defense with that Stansbury game notwithstanding. Um, so Ridgeline needs to look at that Stansbury game and see what they are able to do to come back on Skyview. Granted, that's been a few weeks now, so Skyview's made adjustments. But uh, it's going to be a really good showdown on Thursday. Again, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, you can hear that game on this station, 106.9 FM, and also on 104.5, where, of course, Dave Simmons and Exandra will have that call for the game of the week in the state of Utah. Number one versus number two, Skyview and Ridgeline. If you're trying to get there, get there a couple hours early. I would. That is a strong suggestion because that place will be standing room only. All right, Eric, it's time to do it. Time to uh, dish out our bread and butter play of the game. Uh, sponsored by Old Grist Mill. You get four loaves of Old Grist Mill bread. We thank Old Grist Mill for being part of it. What is the old? What is the bread and butter? I about said bread and butter. Uh, bread and butter play of the game from the uh, shellacking uh, win for Skyview last week over Green Canyon. Call in at 435-752-1069. We're going to take a break. 435 752 1069 for the bread and butter play of the game to win four loaves of bread from Old Grist Mill. Full Court Press, Eric France and AJ Salveson here on 106 NFM The Fan. Great to have you guys joining us wherever you are doing so. Boy, we had a battle. A battle, I tell you, for the uh, bread and butter play of the game. We appreciate all who are listening, all who called in. For the uh, last few weeks, we were begging. Oh, I know. Begging Where for were people you? to call in. Eight loaves of bread just <laughs> sitting in its little kennel waiting for you to pick them up. But we do have a winner this week. Grant Herzog has uh, the correct answer, which is Eric. So this was in the third quarter. Let me just set it up. In the third quarter, um, it was... 28 to 14. Green Canyon had the ball. They're marching down with an opportunity to get the game to 28 21. They throw an interception. Isaac Larson picks it off at the five yard line, returns it 95 yards. And instead of being a one touchdown game, it goes to 35 to 14. That one play takes it out of reach for, uh, for Green Canyon. So that uh, interception returned by Isaac Larson was the bread-and-butter play of the game. Boy, he is an absolute get for Skyview, isn't he, for the football side? Just wait till he gets to the basketball side. They've got some athletes over there. Isaac Larson's going to be a, a big contributor for Coach Hilliard's basketball team. That's a future Aggie right there. He's yep, already committed. He sure is. Uh, so, again, Isaac Larson's pick six uh, versus... For 95 yards. And, and it sounds like he turned on the burners, too. <laughs> so, uh, again, that's the uh, bread-and-butter play of the game. Sponsored by Old Grissom. We thank Old Grissom for being a part of the Full Court Press and uh, for John Newbold and Craig Kislip and those guys for all their help in uh, helping yeah. us put so that out and give that award. Grant. Uh, but, but can we just do the preps picking really quickly? Uh, just uh, yeah, a, a reminder of who won and what they won and how people can be a part of that all. Preps pick them this past week. Again, this is a site you can go on. You can select who you think is going to win the various high school games in our area. Um, and if you get the most correct, then you could win a $100 gift certificate. Uh, each week, it's a, it's a different prize, but it's always at about $100. This one was actually $105 because it was a group of, uh, of gift certificates to Johnny O's Spud Nuts. Not donuts, Spud Nuts. Spud Nuts. Get Important it right, clarification. So this past week, the winner was uh, uh, Randall Bagley. 
Awesome. Who uh, got the most points correct. He scored the most. He is our winner. So he gives $100 to Johnny O's Spud Nuts. Uh, this week, you've got $100 to McDonald's on the line. I need me some Mickey D's. So it's uh, all bought to you by the Logo Shop. They've been a great partner with this. Uh, they're your booster club headquarters for all high school competitive club teams. They can get you out geared, uh, get you in the proper gear, outfitted in the proper gear with the right logos and everything like that. Even get masks with your team logos on it. So uh, we really appreciate the Logo Shop for being a big sponsor and making this all work. You can go check out this week's games right now. There's a link on our website, 1069thefan.com. Or you can go directly by typing in cvpickem.com. CV as in Cash Valley. cvpickem.com. And you can see this week's games and make your selections. Ajay, right now, 91% of people who have already filled out their brackets are going with the Bobcats over the Riverhawks. Ooh. Easy there. Let's not give some bulletin board material to the guys in Millville. Look, that's a good football team. I What I'm excited to see, Eric, and we talked about this before, it's a matchup between this potent offense that can light up a scoreboard in the, I mean, the flick of a wrist, right, versus in a defense that is unpredictable. You don't know when they're going to blitz. You don't know where it's coming from. Uh, you don't know who's coming at you. It's just how good they are defensively. And I love the offense for Skype. You don't get me wrong. But I love, love defensive football. And I love the way the Skyview coaching staff and what they put together was this defensive Skyview team who has just been wrecking and causing havoc and carnage all over the football field in the, in the opponents they've played so far. It has been impressive, to say the least, to watch. Yeah, will this be a defensive masterpiece or will it be an offensive shootout? Yep. It's, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Thursday yeah. night, 7 o'clock. Again, as Eric told me, I said, Eric, I might go to the game. And, and Eric, you told me, good luck getting a seat. We <laughs> get off of our show at 6. We're usually out of here about 6.30, 6.45. Good luck getting a seat. Folks, if you're going to go to the game, go early. Well, you got to get your tickets in advance. Wait, really? You, you might need to get tickets in advance to make sure you get a seat. I keep an eye on that, people. All right, uh... Stop it. We need to do our uh, pick six for the week. Uh, yes. You Before we get into the NFL You seem the excited about this, and I don't like that. So you're on a winning streak right now. Okay, so this now you're like just rubbing it in. No, now you're just, <laughs> you're just rubbing it in, you jerk. This is unprecedented. I hate how you set me up on. for failure and disappointment. So let's see how we did this week. Okay. Okay, we, this is an opportunity to recap the things that happened over the weekend. Please break even. Please break even. Okay, please so even. it starts out with Fred Van Vliet, three-pointers made. Oh, So the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics it went to game seven. Uh, we set the line at three and a half. Okay. He made four. I said over. So if it went over, you're there because you went over on everything. On this one. Oh, yeah, I did say you won everything, huh? On every single one. <laughs> so if it went over, you're happy. So that's one, okay? We actually, we both went over on that one. Um, Oklahoma over Missouri State. Uh, the line was 45 and a half. Yes. I thought that seemed a little aggressive. Uh, Oklahoma <laughs> blew them out 48 to nothing. So you took Thank the you, over. field goal kicker. I went under. So you're leading two to one. Uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, a battle of two older Aww. quarterbacks, very accomplished quarterbacks, very successful quarterbacks. Tom Brady, well, the line was set at 555 and a half total combined passing yards. Tom Brady threw for 239. Okay. Drew Brees threw for only 160. Fetch. 
So the combined total was 399. They suck. Those guys are so overrated. <laughs> I took the under. You took the over, obviously. So now we're tied 2-2. Please break even. Skyview over Green Canyon. We set the margin of victory at 9.5. Skyview wins 42-14. to So the margin was actually 28. We both took the over on that, so it's tied 3-3. You're setting me Only up for failure. Left. I swear. Our next line was the Cowboys and the Rams facing each other in the uh, new stadium. Uh, Cowboys over the Rams. We said it uh, for Cowboys at three and a half. It was actually the Rams who won twenty to seventeen. I took the under. You went over. So now actually I'm ahead four to three. Comes down to our last one: Texas over UTEP. But the line was set at 43. Wait, wait, wait. What was it? 43. Over UTEP. It was the final score was 59 to 3. Yes. So <laughs> it was well over. And uh, you you picked that correct. So we tie 4 4. We How split. did you take the under on that? <laughs> How did you take the under that on them in Oklahoma? <laughs> 40 plus points is a lot. Dude, Missouri State's not really good versus Oklahoma. Well, who would have thought Houston Baptist would play Texas Tech to two points? Everybody. I think mean, outside <laughs> of Matt Wells, probably everybody. <laughs> I shouldn't say that out loud. Eric, let's get to some NFL games. By the way, you got a couple of Monday night barn burners, if you will. Uh, you got, uh, who is it, uh, Pittsburgh and New York Giants. Giants right now lead at 3 nothing, Eight and change left in the first quarter. I- hey, did you see who's calling that game? Yeah, is that uh, Kirk Herbstreit Kirk, and Chris Kirk Fowler? Kirk and Chris Fowler. And Chris Fowler just got done doing the U.S. Open. That's right. So he's already in New York. And he's got to go do a uh, and he's got to go do a college football game this Saturday. You know, I was watching the U.S. Open for some reason. Well, one of the nights, uh, just, it was a blowout in basketball. The college football game wasn't interesting. Uh, the NFL game was well decided. And so I uh, found myself watching the U.S. Open with one of my kids. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, man, that... That guy's voice sounds really familiar. Who is that? It took me a minute. I'm like, oh, that, that's Chris Fowler. Oh, yeah. He's calling tennis, and he's actually doing really good. I yeah. didn't know he did that. He's done it the last three years. Ah, I, just, I really haven't paid close attention and to the U.S. Open he's done the Wimbledon, too. He's done the Wimbledon he did a really as well. good job. He's, a really, he's really good at that yeah. gig. Uh, yeah, so he's calling tonight's game. And then uh, the second of the doubleheader will be the Titans and Broncos. That will be at Denver and Mile High in Denver, Colorado. 8, 10 p.m. Mountain Time start. Uh, for those two squads. Uh, Eric, let's go through. Let's just look through some of the games. Were there any surprise? Oh, go ahead. Well, let me just say this. We I looked at the tally for college football, the road games versus the home games. Oh, yeah. Did you do NFL? Because I wanted to see, you know, is there maybe uh, an advantage to being the road team because there's no home crowd. There's no energy that you feed off as a home team. And the road team always has to come with their own level of intensity anyway. Uh, in college football, home teams won... 13 games. Road teams won seven. In the NFL, it was even closer. Home teams won eight games. Road teams won six. Now we got two more games going on tonight. So wow. that's kind of interesting to see how that continues to play out. If that's a continuing issue, and I understand with the, the opening part of the season with some of these non conference games, they're very lopsided. But uh, as the season continues, will that continue to be a, a, a factor? 
will it even itself out? But uh, for the NFL, um, I, I think that certainly a lot of eyes are going to be on the Patriots with Cam Newton, and then also with that uh, game that we talked about earlier between the Buccaneers and the Saints. And so here's what we got to remember about that, if I may. Bill Belichick, everyone says, oh, Bill Belichick's 1-0 and Tom Brady's 0-1. Whoa, hey, might have something here. No, you don't. Tom Brady went to New Orleans and played the Saints. The Patriots are at home against the Dolphins. So that's not a good comparison. Now, if the Patriots beat, I don't know, Chicago at Chicago, or if they beat the Packers at the Packers, then yeah, we can have a conversation, but... No, not not this way. Cam Newton uh, threw for 155 yards. Thought he was really good. Rushed for 75. He was a leading rusher. Ran in the end zone twice. Uh, had two scores. I thought he looked pretty good in his debut in a New England Patriots uniform. The offense looked a lot different, too. Look, usually you have a pocket quarterback in Tom Brady who runs for 100 yards the whole entire year. And alone, Cam Newton gets 157 yards on the ground in game one. He looks comfortable in this offense. You can see what Josh McDaniels has kind of uh, took out some old bolts and nuts and then put something new in to fit what the quarterback is doing. He did with Jacoby Brissett when he had a sub in for a couple games. I thought Cam Newton looked really, really good in game one. But again, it's against the Dolphins, so I'm not going to take it too much into stock. I, I hate to be that guy as a Patriots diehard fan that I am, but I can't do that. Uh, how yeah, about- no Tua, who, yeah. who did not play. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Which has been their plan. Hey, how about Aaron Rodgers versus the Vikings? 43-34, your final score. Aaron Rodgers, 32-44, or 64 yards and four TDs. Boy, looked as good as he possibly could. Uh, he's the quarterback I should have started for my fantasy football team. Who did you start? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. So it's it's, it's like horrible. It's like, who who do I pick? It's, it's the only really good thing I have on my team. Um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers was fantastic. Uh, it, Vikings are not a bad team. Uh, they're that's a decent squad, but you know, looking what the, the what Green Bay was able to do with uh, some, some question marks about what was the the, the running back situation going to look like? What were the receivers going to look like? Devontae Adams just crushed it. Oh, 156 yeah. yards, two touchdowns. He had 156. I yeah. Mean, wow. Jeez. Uh, Seahawks over the Falcons, 38-25. Matt Ryan, 37 of 54. For 450 yards and two touchdowns, uh, while and the leading receiver was Julio Jones for nine catches and 157 yards. Boy, but Russell Wilson, Eric, has just been so good. He had four touchdowns yesterday. Uh, this Seahawks team, when they have the help of a defense and when Russell Wilson has the help of a good offensive line, boy, they're going to be a, a problem this year in the NFC. Yeah, but he needs to get some help with the running yeah. running game. Yeah, it's... Not been Carlos, there for a while. Carlos Hyde, seven carries. Chris Carson, six carries. I mean, how much Russ of that, Wilson's not going to be able to do that. But how much that of that longer. is the game plan, and how much of that is just not having to adjust your game plan because you don't think you're going to get the running game going? That's the question is, I mean, did they say, hey, we're going to go to the air and beat the Falcons in an air raid attack? Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately hard to know from the outside. But still, I mean... You got to give Russell Wilson and at least the the defense something else to think about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Bills over the Jets, no surprise, twenty seven seventeen. Bears over the Lions, twenty seven twenty three. We talked about the Patriots over the Dolphins. How about that, the- that Bears Lions game down to the down yeah. to the wire? Drop that pass the in the Lions end zone. Oh had my a chance. Goodness. 
It was there for them. Catch the ball, dude. But give the Bears credit how they came back in that fourth quarter. I mean, three touchdowns. Uh, Trubisky uh, led him led the team in a comeback victory. So give them some credit. Uh, how about the Washington football team coming back to beat the Eagles, twenty-seven seventeen? Boy, Eagle fans are not patient, and losing to the Washington football team, who is the Washington football team, is not a good way to start. 22nd half points. Uh, Eagles didn't do anything in the second half. That's bad. Give them That's some credit. That's so bad. Sure. Hey, how about the Las Vegas Raiders? Our closest team, 34-30 winners over the Carolina Panthers. This was a dandy of a football game, actually, from, from start to finish. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, have they've got something brewing over there. Well, it's uh, week one. Everybody's going to overreact to week one. If Tom Brady's not going to work in Tampa. Yeah. Are the Raiders going to be that great? Okay. It, it, so there's a lot of things that people need to pump the brakes on a little bit, and let's kind of wait and see. But I think there are some good indicators that this Raiders team might be kind of interesting. Um, it, it, when they start playing in their home arena, you know, it's a it's a new place. Sometimes that energizes you and gets you going, and you. You, you make a move like that, and it's a fresh start. So that could be one of the interesting things to watch this season as uh, the Raiders, uh, now the Las Vegas Raiders, and they, they still have a decent club. Yeah. I think they have a good head coach. Smart, yeah. He's a very smart guy. And Derek Carr looked actually pretty decent. Wasn't dominating, but yet kind of game as a game manager did just fine. Jaguars are over the Colts 27-20. Ravens destroy the Browns 38-6. Lamar Jackson has... Uh, 275 yards and Jeez. three TDs. Yeah, Phenomenal. what a what a monster he is. Great, Chargers great game. over the Bengals, 16 to 13. That was ugly. That was just bad football. Yeah, not not very pretty to watch. Uh, Burrow and his debut. Uh, similar thing that we've heard. You know, with the challenges of these uh, rookies, that they, they don't have the benefit of the uh, rookie mini camps, the OTAs, the preseason games that they normally would get. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's just, boom, here's game time. Good luck. So it was a little rough. Chargers aren't really that great, but the Bengals were just a little bit worse. <laughs> uh, Saints and Buccaneers, we talked about this already a little bit. 34-23, Saints over the Buccaneers. Tom Brady has two picks. One of them goes back for a touchdown. There's going to be a lot of gelling to do. There's going to be a lot of getting to know you to do. Uh, especially in a live-action game. You saw the one, the first pick, Mike Evans stopped on a curl route for whatever reason. Brady threw it and was picked off. He had another miscommunication on a pass. Um, he uh, he overthrew, uh, I believe it was O.J. Howard, by 30 yards on a two-point conversion. Uh, but at the same time, that, I thought that defense looked good. I thought both defenses weren't that bad. Now, all five, there was five penalties on the Buccaneers. All of them were on the defense. All of them were pass interferences. Uh, I think that, and you and I were talking a little bit about this, I think that the, that game perhaps speaks more about a complete New Orleans team than anything uh, against Tampa or yeah. against you know, the new faces that are with, with Tampa. That's a New Orleans team that uh, there was some distraction in the offseason with Alvin Kamara uh, and his, uh, his contract situation. That's been settled. But that's a... Uh, we focus a lot on New Orleans and their offensive weapons, but they're a good defensive team too. Yeah. But that gets overlooked often. Boy, That's it, a pretty well-rounded, pretty complete team. Speaking of offense, how about Alvin Kamara yesterday? Not only does he sign a nice little pretty contract to uh, buy some new shiny sparkly teeth, 
but uh, uh, also nice to, uh, to help out his bank account there. And then again, he has a phenomenal game. Saints one and zero. Expect that to be a split series. I think Tampa Bay goes to Tampa Bay and beats the Saints. Well, what surprised me perhaps the most about Kamara's performance was not what he did on the ground because he really didn't do much rushing the ball, but that he was a versatile back. That he he can do that. He can run the ball, but he can also catch out of the backfield. Fifty one yards and a touchdown. Uh, coming out of the backfield as a receiver. So uh, it's a well-rounded New Orleans team. They can hit you with a lot of different weapons offensively and defensively. So uh, that was an interesting game, probably the game of the weekend, frankly. But there was one other that did surprise me, and that was the the 49ers and the Cardinals. Yeah, how about this one? Kyler Murray has 13 carries for 91 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo throws for 259 and two touchdowns, but the Cardinals win this one. 24-20. 24-20. What stood out to you, Eric? Well, just the mobility of Kyler Murray and just how Incredible. that that vaunted defensive front for San Francisco couldn't get their hands on him. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. By the way, I mean, watching DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald on both sides of the ball just makes you want to punch Billy O'Brien in the face if you're a <laughs> Texans fan. Like, what in the world were you thinking? It just mind numbs me. And then the game uh, for Sunday night, the capper, Rams 20, Cowboys 17. Pass interference or no? I will be honest. I did not watch that game. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, so I believe, Eric, I've always felt this way, and and correct me if you feel different, please. If a defender is reaching his arm out for you and he's trailing you, a defensive back, and you've got maybe a half-yard separation, but his arm is, like, stuck out to you, are you allowed to fend off the arm no matter what the result is, if you hit him in the ribs or whatever and he slows down a bit, aren't you allowed to protect yourself so you can continue to run your route? Even if he's not holding you, but he's he's got his arm extended against your body. Does that make sense? Like if, if he's a, I mean he's trailing by half a yard, but he's got his arm all over you. Now he's not grabbing you, but you should have a chance to be able to re- get the release off of him to be able to make a play. And they called offensive PI on uh on the receiver and it turned away a touchdown, or I guess not a touchdown, but a chance for a touchdown. Yeah, I'd have to see it in real time. I, like I said, I, I didn't get a chance to really watch that game, so it's hard for me to comment. But I think that the receiver needs to be able to have space um, without having somebody on, you know, physically on him. But at the same time, you know, the defender uh, should have an opportunity to be in a position to make a play on the ball. But if he's uh, holding on or if he's impeding the progress, then, then that's a problem. But uh, the, the offensive player can't just swipe away and clear out the defender before the ball gets there either. But I, I just feel like in this day and age, the offensive receiver is not given a lot of chance to be able to make a play on the ball. That the defensive back is allowed to do whatever he wants, but the offensive receiver can't in any way fend off to be able to make a play on the ball. And that's what sucks as an offensive receiver because then you're, you're at a disadvantage the whole entire time. It happened a couple times in the Bucks game too. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the – I think they – defensive pass interference gets called way more often than offensive pass interference. Really? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, how did you think Joe Burrow? What did you think of him yesterday? Uh, is he – as a starting quarterback, I know it's the Bengals, but I feel like he's starting to learn, like, oh, this isn't LSU. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the best of everything on the of, of the world here in Cincinnati. 
Yeah, I mean, not. I mean, twenty-three of thirty-six he yesterday gets for one ninety-three times. Uh, not not a great quarterback rating. Didn't make good reads either. I felt like I think sometimes held onto the ball way too long. Yeah, it, uh, that's just again what we talked about earlier. Is it just um, a, a victim of not being able to have additional practices at the NFL level in OTAs, extra time with the with the team, a preseason opportunity to to play in in live action against somebody else. It's going to take him some time. So, I don't think we should overreact by this one game performance. Um but uh yeah, it's going to the, the real question is how well does he improve and how does he get things figured out? Uh by the way, that's this Thursday night's game is Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield. Colin Coward's dream. <laughs> but I mean, look at Josh Allen for the Bills. Oh in his gosh. first little bit yeah. in Buffalo, he didn't look great at all. A lot of questions as to why Buffalo even took a chance on this kid from Wyoming. And now he's a starter and he's doing a pretty good job for him. I'm not saying he's outstanding. He's going to lead them to a Super Bowl, but he's uh, he's proven to be a decent NFL quarterback. By the way, you're talking about Seattle's running game or the lack thereof. Pete Carroll actually just a few minutes ago on Chris Carson Hyde combining for just 13 carries uh, in their uh, win yesterday. He says, quote, seven and six carries wasn't enough for our guys. We need to get more. We were at 20 as a team. We wanted to get more than that in general. But when Russ is completing every pass, we weren't discouraged about the movement of the football. But we love running the ball. We always have, and those guys will get more carries as we move down through the schedule. End quote. Okay. Just make sure you run it on first and goal, the one-yard line. <laughs> uh, your next Sunday night game will be a dandy. In fact, speaking of running it at the goal line, Patriots and Seahawks, I'll be at Seattle in CenturyLink Field. And then Monday night's game, this is where Eric... This is where I wish we had fans. Next Sunday night's game, Saints head to Las Vegas to play at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, oh, the debut. I, I want the new a stadium. crowd so badly there to see that. Oh, my goodness. That would be a wonderful thing. Let's take a break. Coming back, speaking of a wonderful thing, how about another Game 7 in the Western Conference, semi, or Western Conference Semifinals? Again, Denver does it. Does it make you feel better or worse as a Jazz fan that the Denver Nuggets have now came back from another 3-1 deficit down double digits both games, and now have a chance to move on to the Western Conference Finals if they can take care of bits tomorrow night. It's Eric France and I'm Aljay Salveson. Eric France and Aljay Salveson, Full Court Press. We wrap up today's show with a little NBA talk. Celtics, Heat, tomorrow night. Rematch of back of the glory days of basketball in 2010, 11, and 12 when Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Rajah Rondo, along with Ray Allen, before he betrayed his own Celtics and went to the Heat, <laughs> where they damn they went at it for about four straight years. Eric, that was some good basketball back then between LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Anderson, and that crew, Chris Bosh. That was some really physical, intense basketball, and hopefully we'll get that again between these two teams. Uh, game seven between the Raptors and Celtics ended up being uh, uh you know, it's just Raptors ran out of gas. They did what they could, but just not enough depth on that team. Jason Tatum was just outstanding for the Celtics, and they move on to in the Eastern Conference Finals tomorrow night. But what a great series that was. Um, give Toronto a lot of credit for what they did this year uh, with uh, Kawhi Leonard leaving them, and they, they could have easily just said, you know, collapsed and uh, used that as, as, as an excuse not to do as well as they did, 
but they made adjustments. They had other guys who are key con- contributors continue to step up and play well, and uh, they fought hard, and they, they made a series out of it. And Boston, they had some guys that, that were out. They had some guys step up. Jalen Brown, I thought. We oh, talked a lot about Tatum, yeah. but Brown really emerged as a really great player for Boston On as both well. sides of the floor, too. Uh, Jimmy Butler right now leads the team for Miami with 19.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 6 assists. While Jason Tatum, 23.5, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists per game. Uh, Eric, what do you expect out of this series? What's your, give me your prediction early before we start tomorrow night. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring series. Oh, me neither. Uh, I think defense will be key. Um, the real question for me is uh, the the role players and and bench for Miami. Can they match the role players and bench uh, and other players for uh, for for Boston? That's a great point. And does Gordon Hayward come back now? Now that he yeah, has enough rest, he's eligible. It's possible that Hayward could join the Celtics at some point during this series. Boy, they could really use him as well. How about this one? The Denver Nuggets, again, we're down three games to one, and we're dead in the water in Game 5. Come back from a 16-point deficit. Then look to be laying in their grave with dirt to be poured over him, down by 18. And what do you know? Behind Jamal Murray, and who do you? what do you think about it? Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. And by the way, Paul Millsap was really good in Game 5. They have tied this series at three games apiece. Game 7, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. That's on ESPN. By the way, Heat Celtics at 440 on ESPN. Eric, this series has been phenomenal. What is the part that surprised you the most? And give me your thoughts. Well, uh, I guess what's surprising me, and it shouldn't, is that the Clippers put Denver in a similar position as the Jazz had put Denver. After a few games, it looked like the Jazz had them figured out. Uh, Jamal Murray was not very effective, and they had effectively negated Jokic, and uh, the Jazz had full control of the series. And then they were a little lax, let them back in, then they struggled the next one, Denver took care of business, and then forced the Game 7. So we're in a similar storyline here. But the difference, the big difference here, is that I think that Jokic has been the dominant force for Denver in this series where Murray was the dominant force against the Jazz. Murray has been a little bit better the last few games, but he hasn't been nearly as dynamic as he was against Utah. So I uh, think that the Clippers have done a nice job of, of isolating him, slowing him down, not letting him get in quite as much rhythm, but they don't have an answer for Jokic. Yeah. And as good as he is, seeing the floor and finding other guys uh, when they're open, that's been the real key for Denver. And uh, you know, Harris has had some big games. Oh, Harris has been so good defensively. Yeah. Uh, Monster defensively. You know, Porter Jr. and the coaches, they've figured something out where they put him in timeout uh-huh. for a game, and now he's back. <laughs> uh, you know, Monty Morris had a big game off the bench for Denver. So this Denver squad, um, man, they, they never say die. Have to give them credit for that. Eric, let's look at the Clippers side. Now you've blown a three games to one lead. You should be in the Western Conference Finals getting ready for the Lakers. How big of trouble are they in tomorrow night? And would this be one of the bigger disappointments in NBA history of having this stacked of a roster and not even making it to the conference finals? Uh, it would be a huge disappointment. This is a team that was supposed to be in the NBA finals. It's a team that hasn't been to the Western Conference finals. And this was supposed to be their year to get there and to compete for a championship. And if they fail to meet that again, it's a colossal disappointment in Los Angeles for these Clippers. Uh, they need help from more people that are not named Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> That's the, the problem. I mean, there are other starters, five points, two points, and two points. Oh, yuck. I mean, that's ridiculous. 
You're not going to win games if you only have two guys really carrying the water. They need that third option. They need their starters to do something. How about Denver's ability to match the intensity of the Clippers defensively? Like defensively up in your grill, every single possession, just mobbing you and mauling you and forcing turnovers. They have found a way to be able to play defense without fouling, not sending them to the line. And then on the other end, they're able to get to the line without fouling. Well, that's what they did as the series went on against Utah. Early on, there was no defense. It was not a defensive team at all. And then they made some adjustments, and they were much more aggressive and much more active. They've done that same thing against the Clippers now. I can't so, wait. I can't uh, that's wait. That's going to be a great game seven. Uh, Heat Celtics again. That's tomorrow at four forty. I'll be on ESPN. Nuggets Clippers tomorrow night seven p.m. That is also on ESPN. Winner will get the Lakers. And by the way, game one of the Lakers in Western Conference Finals. Wednesday night. Uh, I think it's actually Friday. Oh, they moved it, so yeah, it was it's supposed been moved. to. Okay, it's been moved so they to moved Friday. It. I was gonna say because it was scheduled for Wednesday, and I was thinking, are you you're gonna have them play Game Seven Tuesday, and then turn around and play the Lakers on when- Game Two in the Eastern Conference Finals will be Thursday. Game One in the Western Conference Finals will be Friday. Hey, thanks for being a part of our show. That's Eric France and Amaje Salson. Tomorrow we'll talk college basketball. We'll preview the big NBA games. 